0: he was known as Rabbi Meir Balanes, or the Mayor, the the, uh, the, uh, the 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 wonder worker that's that's what he was known as and even today if a person loses something you look all over the house you lost your wife's diamond ring you cannot find it right what do you do you take a little money you put it in the pushka. Of Ramir Balanes and you say Lo and Bez Hashem, you find that. It's it's a crazy thing, but it actually I use it for parking spots. <laughs> it's it's, it's it a thing. This is this is from the Gemara itself. We're gonna go it's to a page and a half in. We could do it certainly within an hour, forty five minutes. And I just think it's very fascinating. There's a lot of side stuff which I think is also fascinating. I just want to say one thing. My father's yartzeit means he passed away tonight, today, tonight, um, 22 years ago. And uh, I just, his name was Moshe Tzvi Mordechai Avraham. He was uh, 16 years old when he wanted to go to yeshiva, and um, he went to some, uh, he, he went to a, a yeshiva in Brooklyn the time, it was called mm-hmm. Brownsville. That's near Bedford. That's near bedford in that area. And that's where the Jews lived. And he went into the yeshiva, and they wouldn't let him in because they said he was too old to start. So he was on the bus, and he was crying. And somebody went over to him and said, why are you crying? And he said, because I want to go to yeshiva. And they say, I'm too old. So the person said, you should go to Lubavitch. They say, take anybody. That's what happened. So he went to Lubavitch. They put him into third grade. Taught him how to read Hebrew. And then he, you know, ended up becoming a rabbi and a shaykh. So it should be in his chus tonight amen, that we're going to be learning. Okay. I need my glasses. We're going to start. Again, you don't have to follow inside. But I think that this is like one of those. Hey, Yosef. I think that this is one of those interesting, very interesting Gemara's. Now, it starts off talking about a person by the name of Rabbi Hanina ben Tradyon. Um This section of the Gemara of Bodezar talks about a lot of the tragedies that happened to the great leaders of the Jewish people by the hands of the Romans. And one of the people is Rabbi Hanina ben Tradjon, who happens to be, as you're going to learn, uh, related to Rabbi Meir. That's right. So we're going over the history of Rabbi Hanina ben tradion and then we're going to uh, learn about another person, and who's and and then it'll it'll eventually intersect with Rabbi Meir Bal Haness. Okay. So the Gemara says like this: We're talking about um, two, four. I'm sorry, three lines from the bottom of these small, the short pages. Okay. So the Gemara says, hey, Ari, here we go. It's three lines from the bottom of the of the first page. And the Gemara says, Asayu Rabbi Khanina ben Traidyon. So the Romans brought charges against this great tzaddik, Rabbi Hanina ben Trajon? And they bring him up to court. Why? Um, They said to him, What are you doing learning Torah in public? The Romans made a rule that you're not allowed to learn Torah in public. By the way, when we say the Romans, you should just be aware that not all the Romans, it wasn't throughout the history of Rome that all the Roman Caesars were evil. They just had some real bad ones. They had Caligula. They had Titus. They had a bunch of bad ones. But but you should just be aware that Mark Anthony mm-hmm. was a good one. And so there 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 were good Romans. So when the Gemara says over here, the Romans said and brought him to trial. Obviously talking about a bad one. They said, I said again, why are you learning Torah in public? Mm-hmm. It's against the rules. We told you you're not allowed to do that. So Amr Lu, so he so the so he responds and says, Listen, Kashir Sibani Hashem what do you want? This is one of God's commandments to learn Torah. And I don't care. He wasn't being politically correct. He wasn't going and taking a plea bargain. He was telling the way it is. A Jew says it straight. If if they say to you, "Why you you know you're not allowed to learn Torah," I tell you the truth. I if I I don't go to places where I can't wear my yarmulke. If I can't wear my yarmulke, right? We spoke about this many a time. If I can't wear my yarmulke, then I'm not going there. You know, I had some guys say to me like, whenever they 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 don't wear a yarmulke, I say, "Why not?" And they say, "Because they have road rage." <laughs> so they don't want to make a chilah Hashem. Right. Don't have road rage, you know. Just <laughs> what are you doing? Someone <laughs> one time took off keep started giving him things. You see. And pulled up the sign and gave him a finger, like right by flushing the out. Like what are you doing? You know. So be straight. So they said to him, "What are you doing? How how, how do you how do you learn Torah in public?" So as a pasuk, so. Miyad Ghazra lovely So they immediately decided they they gave a punishment to him that he's going to be burnt alive. Okay. Hariga and that his wife would be killed in a different way. and his daughter, it's so interesting what they did. On his daughter, because he wanted they wanted to punish her, they shaved Bakuva Zonos, that she has to live in a brothel. that's their punishment. They're not gonna kill her but they're going to put her into a brothel that's a, a, de, a, a prostitution place, that's going to be her punishment. I mean, because obviously that's like, you know, that, that destroys the whole family, makes em- embarrassment, and makes her life like little, totally miserable. We're going to talk about it. So, a lovely Sreifa. So the question is, why did God, now this is going to sound very strict. We have to remember something before we learn this, gemara for a second. We're not talking about regular people. We're talking about people who are on a super high plane spiritually. And there's such a concept that God judges the people who are very holy in a very strict fashion. Okay? A little stricter. Like, if we would do some of the things that they did You know, we we get punished, but not to the same extent. God judges people. Why? Because there's more (coughs) expectation. And they also get more reward from the flip side. So, all lovely Srephod, why did he, why, why, why was the punishment of, that he would be burnt? That's a, why were the Romans doing that? Uh, The reason was. That he this is really from heaven. He was he did something wrong. What was that? Shahoya. <laughs> Next page. Hoge ashamba self. That means that he used to. You know how God the Poslik God's name is spelled vav Vavke? We don't say the witnesses. Right? You know those witnesses? We don't say the name J- whatever. We don't say it. Even in English we don't say we'll say you know the building next to the Brooklyn Bridge is owned by the witnesses we're not going to say we well, always we'll say the J witnesses we're not going to say that name it's prohibited you're not allowed to do that it's a bad thing so he apparently used to he used to say the name the way it was it's read so the, gonna, the Gemara the asked the question what do you mean? Everybody here knows that. We all know that you're not supposed to say the name the way it's spelled. That's one interpretation. Another interpretation was, you probably heard about this, that there's one, you know, God's names, when we say, like, Elohim, or we say Havaya, which is your Vavke, or we say Adnai, which, you know, we use these names, they represent things but they're not really God's names they're representation like for example shakai you heard the name shakai shakai stands for it's an acronym that stands for shamayim dai which means that when god created the world he said it's enough like you expansi- expansiveness of of the world has to stop putting li- making limits okay so when we when we think about god in the term of shakai we think of the god that has limits and puts constraints on things. Okay? It's uh these are adjectives. Adjectives or adverbs? I think adjectives, right? I think so. But there's another name that God has, it's the 42 letter word. It's called the tetra tetragram, the tetra. Anybody know the name of what how they said in English? It, yeah. The tetra what? Of course. <laughs> Tetramatron. 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 That's my intent. Yeah, so, so he. So this forty-two letter. If you know how to play with that word, then you can do all sorts of miracles and all sorts of stuff. If you know, Kabbalistically. But I'm not talking. I just want to be clearful about this because I was watching. You shouldn't do this. But I was watching something from the Kabbalah Center today. Don't ask me why. But I was. I was just whatever. I wanted to understand, like, like who gets caught up into that, whatever, and um, we're not talking about that, you know, if I would give you a book, and the book would say, this is God's 42-letter word, it would name, it would do nothing, because I'm not a, I'm not a Makubal, you know what I mean, we're talking about people on a certain level, if they know how to play with these things, they know how to play with these things, you know, but other people, whatever. So he he was saying he was using those words, or he was saying God's name. So the Gemara says, avi hachi. How could he do that, right? Because it's a hot We learned already in a, the Gemara says I'm going to skip a little bit over here that it says over in the um, Mishnah that any person who plays with God's with with the forty two letter name of God. Or reads the Yud K Vovke on a constant, continual basis, is of Misa. You're not supposed to is Death, you're not supposed to say Yud K Vovke in Hebrew. You're not to do that. So how could he do that? So the Quran answers the Islamid of it, he was doing this for the purpose of learning. Just like you're allowed to learn witchcraft. You're allowed to learn witchcraft. The rabbis in the Sanhedrin had to know the laws of witchcraft. Because if you don't know witchcraft, then how are you going to decide if the person is acting like a witch? Right? You, you won't know. You'll, it'll be like a. I, I forgot exactly what happened in the Boston and the Salem witch trials, right? But they weren't witches. If you were to go to somebody 100 years ago, if you had that machine, the back-in-the-future machine, right, and you would bring to them a cell phone where you could see, like, you know, something miles away and talk to somebody, right, they would look at you and say, that that's witchcraft. It's not witchcraft. They'd, this would be like a magic mirror. You remember the magic? Oh, All right. You remember the magic okay. mirror, like when it mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the who's the fairest of them all? And then the mirror spoke? Well, that's a cell phone, basically, right? No, no, this is technology. It's not witchcraft. But how do you know? What do you know? What is witchcraft? What's not witchcraft? So the people from the Sanhedrin and other people, they were allowed to learn the, everything about witchcraft and sorcery and they were an, an idolatry. Because how can you go and and say that a person is uh, is, is, is obligated for a vota zara for, for idolatry when you don't know what idolatry is? You know, is Islam idolatry? Is it? Well, if you don't know what Sufism is, if you don't know how the intricacies of the difference between Shiites and Sunni and um, and Catholics versus Anglicans. If you don't know the difference, how do you know what? How do you know anything? So, if you wanted to be on the Sanhedrin, you had to learn these things. You had to. You had to know it. When it says when it speaks about how Mordecai knew seventy languages, why did Mordechai know seventy languages? What was the reason? you have to, to not be on the sanhedrin because to be on the sanhedrin you had to know 70 languages why did you have to know 70 languages so let me what the aid Aidan come and testify, the testify. <laughs> witnesses are going to come if you don't know what they're talking about there was a case you see this so to be on the sanhedrin you have to be able to understand the language to understand what the per, the nuances. Of what the people are saying and therefore you had to know the language you had to be aware of it so that was what happened over here so then the gemara says over here and why was it so why was he really punished because he should have been more tsenua, he should have been more private about this he was studying and discussing god's names but it was in the public arena and we have to be very careful about it then the gemara says Bal why did his wife deserve to be killed okay So he did something wrong, but what's with his wife? So the answer is, she didn't stop him. You see, I think from here, all the women learned that they have to tell their husbands what to do. But um, she didn't stop her husband. And we have a concept. Any person who has the ability to stop somebody from doing what's wrong and doesn't, Nen love. He's uh, punished. So why was this woman? Well, we're gonna skip that because we. I want to make sure we get to the time here on time. So the Gemara goes on. I'm gonna skip a drop over here. Yeah. Let's go to the Kishacholah Rabbi Yossi. Okay, I'll show you exactly where that is. Uh, it's three lines. From, on, on the second page, Yud Ches, three lines from the beginning of the fat lines. So, we know, we just learned about Rabbi Hanina ben Theradion. Now, Kishachola Rabbi Yossi ben, ben, ben Kisma, it's another person, when Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma got sick, Rabbi Hanina ben Theradion went to visit him. Okay? On so this elderly sage, who's about to die, he's old, he's about to die, he says to this younger person, Rabbi Chanina Ben-Tarajan, my, my brother, Don't you know that the Romans are from heaven? They were decreed that they're going to be in control of the world. Yeah, maybe touch him because he's going to be embarrassed. Aishelom, okay. Again, Rabbi Hanina ben uh, we just Chananya ben um, the Tradjon. He's he's sentenced to death. Now we go back a little bit in history. What happens? There's this elderly tzaddik, and he's about he's about to die. So Rabbi Hanina ben ben, ben goes to visit him. And this elderly man says, what are you doing, Hanina? What Hanania, What are you doing? How do you go in public and teach Torah? You're going to be killed. The Romans are in control. They've already made a decree. Don't start with them. It's like Stalin is an evil man. Well, forget the Stalin. These are the terms that we think about. Hitler is an evil man. Hitler says anybody who learns Torah is going to be killed. The Gestapo says that we will kill you on the spot. What are you doing making big groups of Torah in public? You're going to be killed. So what does he answer? He says, he says, So Rabbi hananya ben Tradion says, Which means, God should have mercy on me. You know, I'm a religious person. It's like when you say something, I said this to somebody yesterday. I said, how are you? And I knew that their lives are really screwed up right now. I said, how are you? And they said, Baruch Hashem. I said to them, I didn't ask you if you're religious or not. You know what I mean? (laughs) I know you're religious. I asked you, how are you? Because I know, I said, I know you're having a hard time. So don't tell me back that, you know, like, I, I'm a believer. God, you know, Baruch Hashem, thank God. Yeah, I understand that. I understand. And that's what you should always answer, Baruch Hashem. But I want to know, Baruch Hashem bad? Baruch Hashem good? What's going on? So this this great tzaddik, this older man who's about to die, Yosef ben Kisma, who is the sage, the elderly sage, says to the younger Chananya ben Chananya ben "What are you doing, making public assemblies of Torah? The Romans are going to catch you, and they're going to kill you." And he says, "Hashem is Hashem Yazor, God's going to help out." And He says. This elderly, elderly sage says, listen to his words. I'm giving you common sense answers. Learn Torah privately. Don't make a big, pub. don't put it in a paper. Who says that you have to have it on YouTube? Don't do that. And you're telling me, and, and you answer to me, God is going to have mercy on me. That's not an answer. You got to worry about your life you got to you got to live this world in a way which is sensible anyway it says a little bit later he gets caught and we know that he's sen- sentenced to die yeah okay so here we're going to this is where we're going to get here so it happened only a, a couple days a little time afterwards they caught they caught him teaching torah how did they catch him so the Gemara says over here that this elderly man died, saint died, and all the great leaders of Rome came to pay courtesy that he died. Everybody goes to visit him, right? To be, you know, it's like a state funeral. Everybody goes to the great holy man who died, right? They look, really, so it looks like the Romans are really good people. On the way back, they see this Rabbi Hanania ben Tradia teaching Torah. And they immediately say, "We're gonna kill you now." It's like, it's like, um, you know, like the woke people. On one side, it sounds like they're being sincere, but then it turns around that they're not. That they're not so necessarily so honest in their sincerity. By the way, there might be some woke people who are sincere. But you know what I'm saying, it, 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 you know, there's an issue sometimes when people are very much in a certain path, it looks good, but then you find out that it's just like a decayed tooth, decayed tooth, yeah, we understand It's is an issue with trust. It is an issue of trust, okay, so what happens? So what happens? While this takes place, and this we're going to go inside. Okay, this is where we get to the story of Rabbi Mayer. Okay. It's on the um, the bottom of the second page. Beruria. Did you ever hear the name Beruria? Anybody hear about Beruria? Yeah. So, Beruria is Rabbi Meir's wife. Okay? Beruria, not only is she Rabbi Meir's wife, but she's the daughter of... Of Rabbi Chanina ben Tradjon, okay. Important for the story, okay. Baruria is again. I'll show you where this is. This is two, four, six, eight, ten, ten lines from the bottom of the page. Baruria is Rabbi Meir's wife. Baruria is Rabbi Chanina ben Tradjon's daughter. That means. That her father just got killed, and that means that her sister is now in a den of prostitution. Right? Baruria's sister is now with all the prostitutes. So she says to her husband, Robbie Mayer, she says, I'm disgraced by this. How can I have my sister? How can I have my sister in? With all prostitutes. How could, that, that, I can't live my life like this. So he says something that most of our wives would not say. She says, take these gold coins, and I want you to go into the prostitutes and get her out. Okay? There have been a lot of movies about guys going into prostitutes to try to you know, rescue that good woman who's stuck there and you know (laughs) hollywood likes those type of movies but in reality most women do not tell their husbands who are rabbis i want you to go down to 42nd street and fifth avenue or whatever i don't think it's on 42nd anymore but but you know i want you to go in there in haifa wherever they are and i want you to get my sister out of there so he goes though he listens and he says listen If I I can help, uh, I can perform a miracle for her, if she didn't do anything wrong. So if she's innocent, right? Then he's he's out. (laughs) Okay. So he's not. He's up now. So he says like this: If she did something wrong, then I can't do any miracles for her. If she did nothing wrong, then we can have a miracle. So what did he do? He goes there, and he makes believe, this is Rabbi Meir, he disguises himself up as a Roman horseman. Okay? He disguise. you gotta understand what we're talking about here. Rabbi Meir is one of the authors of the Mishnah. Rabbi Meir is so big, we can't, we would, if we saw the man, we'd pass out just from, from looking at him and seeing his holiness. He goes in to the brothel, dressed up like a Roman horseman, and he goes to this woman, the sister-in-law, and he says, you know, I would like you. And she says, I can't. And he says, why not? And she says, because I'm having my period. So he then says, I'll wait for you. And she says to him, Nefishin Tuva Iqab Dishapiraminai, there are other women here that are much more attractive than I am. So at that point, he says, Shemamina, Rabbi Meir says, it must be of the Yisura that she didn't do anything wrong. This must be what she's telling everybody to get herself away from being involved with all of the bad people that are going there. So what does he do? He decides that he's going to go to the guard and buy off the guard. That's what we always do, right? We buy off the guard. So he goes to the guard and he says to the guard, give me this girl. I, 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 want, I want to take her with me. So malay. so the guard says, I'm afraid of the government. You can't just give away women from the prostitution. Why not? Why not? Why can't? Why do they care? Yes. Taxes It gets down to money. It's like in Denmark, prostitution was legal. If it's legal, then you pay taxes on it. So I'm gonna. The government's gonna say you took one of the women, and then we can't go and. That's why do we have legalized pot? What's the real reason? Money. Right Money. That's the real reason. It's all, it's all down to that. So Rabbi Meir says, listen, take this sack of, of coins I'm giving you and give half to the Roman authorities. Listen to this. And <coughs> half of them you keep yourself. Okay? Fine. So then the guard says, the guard then says to Rabbi Meir, the chishama, What do I do when I run out of the coins? You got this so far. He's in the he's in the den of prostitution. He's got his sister in law. He's ready to take her take her home. He's bu- about to buy off the Roman guard with all the coins. But the Roman guard says, "What's going to be when I run out of coins? I can't." Then they're gonna then they're gonna string me up. How did you come up with all that money? the wife gave it to him. Raburia. So, okay, that's a good question, by the way. That is a very good question. One second. Let's just say, quickly, quickly, if I see it anywhere. I don't know. She, you know, what I'll tell you where they got it from. There's a halacha. I'm happy you brought that up. Are you allowed to sell a Seyfetor? Is another uh, shul? Sure. No. I want to sell a Seyfetor because I want to make stock investments. Mm-hmm. I want to buy a. How I heard that houses in Albania are a good investment. But who, who are you selling it to? I don't know. Uh, anyway. <laughs> what is it? So the answer is no. You can only anything holy. There's a concept called Malin bekodesh, which means you can go up in holiness. The ain mo read them, but you can't go down. So I can go and take a sitter and sell a sitter for the purpose of buying a chumash, because a chumash is holier than a sitter. Okay. I can go and take a regular house and sell it for the purpose of buying a yeshiva, a yeshiva or a mikvah. But I, and I can take a yeshiva building, and I could sell it for the purpose of buying an Arun Kodesh, the Ark, and then give the money to Ari uh, for building such a beautiful Arun Kodesh, and I can go up like that, but I can't go down, I can't go and sell an Arun Kodesh. What if someone looks like, let's say like one rich guy, wants the Torah, and this guy's like, I got two. That's it. He can't sell it. He could, he, he could it really sell it and take that money and buy another Sefer Torah. It's gotta be either that Sefer Torah or a better, a, a, or a higher quality. I don't think, I don't even think it would be the exact same quality, but uh, but for uh, an extra, you, you, you let's say practically, you go, way. there's a very famous halacha that you buy, a, you have a house, and you decide you're gonna rent out the house, right? So if you rent it out to non-Jews, then you're allowed to take off the mezuzahs. Not only are you allowed to, but you're supposed to take off the mezuzahs from the doors. Because we're worried, not every non-Jew, but we are worried that there will be some non-Jews that will go into the house, will see the mezuzahs and say, we don't need this, and pull it off the wall and throw it in the garbage. Okay? It could happen, right? So therefore... Therefore, you're not allowed to leave a mezuzah on the doors of the apartment that you're renting out if it's to non-Jews. Okay, but now let's say it's a Jewish person. I rent. I I make believe this is a house here, not a not a shul. Okay, I own this house, and it's a five-bedroom apartment, and I was living here, but now I'm moving <laughs> to a bigger house or to a different neighborhood. Right. Good. Ari wants to come and move in. I'm starting it with Ari tonight. Schneir wants to move into this house. Okay? I'm not allowed to take off the mezuzahs. I'm not allowed to take those mezuzahs away. What I can do is I could ask you to pay for them. And if you don't want to give the money, that's my loss. What I can do is put inferior quality mezuzahs up as long as they're kosher. But I can't take them off. Alright? So you can't go down. By the way, I don't even know about the inferior quality. You gotta ask Shiloh if it ever comes up. But you can only go up. and up. You can't go down. It's called Malin B'Kodesh going up and not going down. So I'm allowed to go and take the Aron Kodesh and sell it for the purpose of the acquisition of of a sefer Torah. That I'm allowed to do, but I'm not allowed to sell a sefer Torah for anything. I can't sell a sefer Torah for the purpose of uh, of what's it called? Of uh, of of a shul. Listen, there's, there's no shul in the city. I'm not allowed to sell the sefer Torah for the shul because you don't need a shul. That's going down. You don't need a shul. It's a nice thing. Building is a nice thing. It's not necessary. You can dive in, in somebody's house. You can dive in, in the street. You can dive in, in the porch. You can dive in every day by a different location. You could. and Maybe not the best, but you could. So you're not allowed to say, take a Sefer Torah. There's only two things that you can sell a safe Torah for. One, and they're both really the same. One, and this is the big one, and that's what the answer is. And that's why that was such a good question. It's called pidyon shvuyim. Pidyon shvuyim means redeeming people who are captives. If there's somebody that was captured by a pirate, or is in jail in Syria, right? So then, you are allowed to sell the sefer Torah to pay to get that guy or that woman out of jail in in Iraq. You could do that. Now, in America, it's not so simple because the jails in America, by and large, although I do not want to go to jail, and I don't want anybody here ever to go to jail, but the concept of jail in America is not the same as the concept of jail in the 1400s. You know? It's just not the same. But the, it's the idea, pidyon shavuyim, which means redeeming a captive. That you can sell a Sefer Torah for anything. You could sell. That's the top deal. The other is pikoch nefesh, saving a life. But that's really it's the same category. You know, we're just we're making the assumption basically that by by you being in jail in in the gulag, you're not coming out. I mean, you know what the gulag? Gulag. Anybody know what the gulag was? The gulag was the Russian jail during the time of Stalin. You know, you were you were sent there. You weren't coming out. You know, not. I mean. Some people did, but very few. So I suspect that's where the money came from. So what happens over here? The guy says, I'm ready to take my... I'm ready, you know, to, to, to give you this woman. But what happened when the money runs out? So he says, this is, this is the line, guys. This is the line. Amor lei. So he says, let me read it to you inside. It's even better. This is the last four words on page Yudkes, which is page number two. He says, Ema, you should say, Eloka de mayor aneni, the god of mayor should answer me. So, if you were the guard, what would you say? Like, very nice. Those are nice words. I appreciate those words. The guard says, "Amale," the guard says, like, like, who says it's going to (laughs) work? You know what I mean? Like, nice idea. You know, these are nice platitudes, you know. But I got, the Romans are going to cut my head off. And you're saying I should say, God of Rabbi Meir should answer me so Amalay so <coughs> listen so Mayor says he says I'm going to show you Hashdecho the Gemara says over here the top lines Hashdechozis I'm going to show you right now you want to play show and tell? you want to play show and tell? I'm going to show you right now he says Hanikalbi Ochli I'm going to translate the exact translation of the words and then I'll show you how Art School translates it because there's such a difference Hani Kalbi. There, there, there were at that moment dogs, ta'avika inshi that used to eat people. That's what was right there. There were a, a pack of dogs. The words are achli inshi, which means that they would eat people. You know, you ever see a bunch of dogs that you know? Article translates that there were a bunch of, in the vicinity, there were dogs that would bite people. I think the word achli inshi, that eat people has so much more essence to it, you know, than a little nibble. We're talking about, they're going to eat you, you know? Shokil kala Shalbe. So Rabbi Meir took a bunch of sand and threw it in their faces. Now, at that point, they came to eat him. You understand what's going on? He takes sand, throws it in the face of wild dogs that are just like totally out of control. Amar, and he says, "Elokad the the god of Rabbi Meir should answer me." Shavkeviavle, the dogs just let him alone. Just that was it. He says, "Elokad the rabbi and the dogs are done. That's it. Okay. So shavkiv So the guard was convinced by this to give over the the sister of Beruria, the sister-in-law of Rabbi Meir. Okay, we got that. We're just about done. But you know, self ishtama milsa be Ultimately, it became known to the government. You know how people are. There was, uh, in World War II, I have a book at home about spies. In World War II, they used to say, loose lips sink ships. That's what they used to say. It was like the biggest problem. People would talk, and they would say things, and they didn't know that the person next to them was working, you know, underground for you know, for Russia or for the Nazis. You didn't know you didn't know who a spy was. So you're talking, you're talking, you open your mouth, and eventually this became, you know, the guy probably told his wife, told his friends, and said, you won't believe this. I just say these words, al-Qaeda, and the dogs just like, they just sit down there and lick my toes. It's like, he, he can't believe it. So he tells people, whatever, or one person heard it. Before you know it, the government knows about it. So, what do they do? Asya, Oscar So, they decided to put him on trial. To kill him, actually. They decided that they're going to kill him. How are they going to kill him? By the gallows. So, they hang this guy up. The guard that gave back Rabbi Meir's sister-in-law, right? Rabbi Hanania Ben-Tradion's daughter, right? They put him by the gallows. What does he do? What do you think he does? He says, Right? And then the Gemara says, Asui, What happens is, a miracle happened and they couldn't hang him. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. So there's two pshat and One is either the rope. Every time they put the rope on his neck, it kept on snapping off. The other opinion is that when you hang somebody, you have like a trap door. And the trap door just wouldn't open. No matter what they did, they kept on trying. They put a new trap door. Whatever they did, it just didn't work. So at one point, they brought him down. So then the people who were the Gallo people, and they've been doing this for a long time, you know, they never had a problem. It's like the people who work for, you know, the who electrocute people, you know, like, you know, maybe one time they have a little problem with the, you know, pulling the switch. But eventually it, Nobody survives that. And here, the guy just does not He's like uh, immune. So, so they, they told the story of what happened. Because this guy's free ready. Because anybody who could survive, like, you know, being on the gallows numerous times, that's done. So here's the last line. So what the Romans did was, Also, Chakok, Demus, LeRamea, Pischa, DeRomey. They put a, a picture, of uh, a light, uh, an image of Rabbi Meir in the uh, front gates of Rome. And Amri, they said, Kod the chazi hodin aite. Anybody who sees this person, call the authorities, it's he dangerous. He's a dangerous character. They put his face up there and they said, he's a dangerous guy. So one day, one day the Romans saw him. And he ran out and he ran away. So what do you think he did? Where would you go if you're Rabbi Mayer and they're after you and you want to not get caught? Where, now, he couldn't say, to Rabbi Mayer, he, the, 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 I think it's the Marshal says, because he was putting God's name next to his name too close. The God of Mayor, People might misunderstand that to mean like, Meir is God. So he didn't want to say that. He himself didn't want to say it. So he ran away to a brothel. That's where he goes in because they're not gonna they're not gonna look for him over there, right? Again, it's like so foreign to our logic our brains, but that's where he goes. So what do you think he did? It's still not enough. So some say because he had to prove that he was like, you know, like one of them, but he couldn't do anything wrong. So some say what he did was, He put one finger into tray food, and the other finger, he like, okay, this really happened. My whole family is intermarried, okay? Not my my first cousins. Beyond my first cousins, it's just a mess. It's just a little intermarried. So I have one cousin that married a Jewish person, and they decided they're going to make a kosher wedding. The problem was that the wedding took place in a Reformed synagogue on Shabbos, on Shabbos. And they did all the cooking. It wasn't kosher. But they thought, they, they told us that they got a kosher caterer and that they're really doing it. You know what I mean? They're going to town for us. So what do you do? You know, I can't eat the food. I can't embarrass them and say, this. this is not kosher anyway. You know, and the people, and they're watching us. You know what I mean? They're watching us. So I go there with my mother and my brother and my sister. And what first we did was we, you know, you move the food around and everything. But that doesn't work. Because after a while, you can move all day, but the people are watching you. So I'll tell you what we did. It's really crazy. We put gum. We start chewing gum. And we put food into like napkins, and dumped it out. So it looked, because we were chewing, right? It looked like we were eating, but we weren't eating. We were putting into napkins because you know, because the food. So the food was disappearing, but it wasn't disappearing. So something similar. It says that what he did was he put his finger in the tray food. And then he put his mouth next to the other finger, so it looked like he was, because he used to eat with their hands often, so it looked like he was eating, but he wasn't really eating. The different approach is that Eliyahu came, and I'm going to tell you what the <coughs> Ben Yehudah says about this, because this is crazy. Eliyahu says, <laughs> Eliyahu appeared to Rabbi Meir looking like a, a harlot itself, like a zona, and Karachte and she embraced Rabbi Meir. So that couldn't be. The Goyim couldn't. That they would never think. You know. So one approach was that he may believe he was eating tray, if That can't be Rabbi Meir in a in a, in a, in, a, in a house of ill repute. The other approach is that Eliyahu himself came to save the day and hugged him, and therefore they would never think that, that that can't be. You know, a woman is hugging Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir would never do such a thing. And they said it can't be him. Now, just for the record, I want you to think, why would Eliyo, of all the ways of him coming back to save the day, why would he be dressed up like a prostitute? There's so many other ways that he could do it. So the Ben Yehoyadah says, anybody have any ideas? It's crazy. The Ben Yehoyadah said to show the point that he was right for what he did. That's why Hashem used that because it was right to save another Jewish person, even going into a... Because he, he must have been thinking to himself, you know, maybe, you know, Rabbi Meir, maybe you're going a little bit too far, you know? Maybe, I'd, you know, you can imagine a Russian shiva, you know? There's a certain guy, Davin's here, once in a while, and I always joke around with him, because he, he's a guy he who he used to learn with my son every morning for like three hours. And he was a businessman, but I'll be done in five minutes. And he used to, he he had a little bit longer here and (coughs) like a little knit yarmulke, but he was learning three hours a day. One day he's learning with, uh, uh, with my son and a rabbi came over to him and said to him, would you like to become a real bentayra? If you do, maybe you should get a haircut. That's what the guy said. And I always joke around with him. And I say, "Do you want to be a bentayra?" Because it's such chutzpah. It's such chutzpah. But the point was, that's not that. That's not how ben Tyra looks. The bottom line is, the guy's learning every day for three hours as a businessman. It's crap what the rabbi was saying. But the point was, you can imagine, and this guy felt bad. He felt, my friend felt bad, that this rabbi said to him, you know, maybe you should get a haircut and look like a bentar, you know, maybe. You don't think that Rabbi Meir was feeling bad? You don't think that this person who is says Eloqaedra Meir and the dogs stop chasing him, he says al-Qaeda, Rabbi Meir, and the gallows don't work. You think that that guy doesn't feel bad running into a den of prostitution? Of course he does. So that was why Elio he came dressed up to let him know what you did was 100% right. So the end of the story was that he ran away. Rabbi Mayor ran away. When he got out of the prostitution house, he ran away. And according to the Yerushalmi, he... Went to Asia. And <clears throat> he died in Asia. And he had a tsavah, which means a commandment, uh, a will, a, a last will, you know, last test, you know. That they should take his uh, casket. This is your says this. I can show it to you inside if you like to see. Um, I don't really learn Yushami, but I saw this, so when I saw this, I looked it up because it was too interesting. The, the Yushami says that um, he died in Asia, and he asked that mm-hmm. the casket should be put on the Mediterranean, by the coast of the Mediterranean, and then the casket just went to Israel, and then they picked it up. When it came to Israel, and that's how he got buried in Tiberia. It was that was Rabbi Meir Balhanes. It's that crazy? That's that's where the whole story. This, this is a Gemara. Is so this low is the way to Israel like a boat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what? Well, one second. I'm going to show it to you inside because you don't. Know, it sounds weird. I right, will. One second. One second. One second. Find it quickly. If I can find yeah, it, I underlined it. If I can find it quickly, I'll read it to you. If not, Ravi Mayer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. One minute. Yeah. Um yeah some say Rav Meir was temporarily buried in Asia and later transferred to Eretz Israel according to others Rav Meir directed the ca- the residents of Asia to place his casket into the sea the casket floated to Israel on its own this indeed uh, this is indeed what took place and the residents of Eretz Israel then buried Rav Meir in Tiberia and the person who writes that as being that is the authoritative approach was Reb Chaim on the Yerushalmi. Wow. You never thought that Reb Chaim was writing about caskets flying, you know, floating over the Mediterranean. At least I never thought that he was like into that. I I thought this is a so. Next time you hear or you have the you know, in Avodazara, Yud this is like this is not just the measures, this is this is Gemara. Gemara is like is is like really real. Yeah.